This is Life Worlds, the place where we explore life through other eyes and minds. Let's flip the script and discover how to orient your world around nature. I'm Alexa Fermanish. Come join me as we get down and forage for fungi, stalk coyotes, draft laws for rivers, hum with beehives, sing bird language, and help beavers to dam again. Let these stories spark your reconnection to nature's multiverse. Learn how to bring ecosystems back to life, become an agent for other intelligences, and begin to see how you too are the sum of all life worlds. Hey everyone, I'm throwing you off the deep end today because I'm starting with a story. So let's picture the scene. It's daybreak, and after a few steaming sips of hot coffee, we are setting out. There's a thick mist carpeting the moist hillsides. Our 4x4 van rumbles and tosses and turns down a muddy countryside road, a road that carves its way through the Romanian fields and vacant, dilapidated homes, edging us closer and closer to the border of Hungary and Serbia. We curve up a steep slope and park lopsidedly beside a brown gushing river, a torrent of water carrying the melting winter snow and twigs and flickers of blue and white inscrutable plastic containers. In silence, our crew of four walks out the vehicle and proceeds into the mist. After about 20 minutes of this silent procession, we turn off the river path by a turnstile, and in anticipation, we pause and wait. We're here in Romania to track a herd of wild bison who have been reintroduced to the Tarku Mountains at the western edge of the southern Carpathians just some seven years before. Tracking, itself, is the act of following animals in their footsteps, tracing their movements in the land, an observational act that has the intention to learn more and more about an ecosystem through its inhabitants. Tracking is an ancient art, an ancient sensorial and survival strategy that our hunter-gatherer and nomadic ancestors developed very precise sensitivities for. This was in order to traverse the world around them to find food, shelter, safety. Tracking is also a state of mind of profound observation. Some say that tracking was indeed the first and original science, which led to the development of many innate abilities of the human mind. Tracking is so ingrained in ourselves that it's synonymous with being human. Here at 7am in the Romanian forest, I was trying to learn what it means to be that kind of human. I was part of a small group of debutantes hosted by We Wilder, which is a social and nature enterprise founded by WWF Romania and local community members. We were engaging one of their four-day tracking experiences as part of them trying to build a local circular economy and connecting more people to the practicalities and vivid experience of rewilding. As we paused now by the turnstile, I fumble with my mic, which, by the way, I am just getting used to bringing out in the field, so be patient with me, but expect more of these. And I asked our guide, Matei, they call him the bison whisperer, what we can expect 
and what we're even looking out for. Okay, so now we are trying to find the fresh bison tracks. We have a herd which uh, came a couple of days ago from the nearby village, Fenesh, to here, to Ruska, and they should be still around the area. So now we are trying to find the fresh tracks, and uh, when we find the fresh tracks, we will try to be very quiet and follow the tracks, because this, uh, this herd have some calves born into the wild, and uh, they are quite scared of people. And uh, even if we manage to see them, probably it will be for just around 10 seconds, because usually they, they run away. But even to see them for just this bit, we have to be to be really silent. Okay. And uh, what do the tracks look like? What are we looking for? Yeah, you'll see the shape of the bison tracks uh, probably later. And uh, what we'll do basically, we'll look the freshest tracks. So if possible to find the tracks from, uh, from this morning, because uh, as fresh the tracks are, we will increase the chances to, to find the bison. Are we also looking for scat, aka poop? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, we'll probably see uh, scat as well, but uh, we are interested in tracks because the tracks, it's, uh, of course, we will be able to follow them and get close to the, to the bison in the direction. And then we continued on our way. Things got sweaty. So we're about an hour in. I have taken off many layers of clothes, steep uphill, and we have found tracks of sheep and tracks of deer that could have been baby bison tracks but they weren't and so far bison remain present in our imaginations <laughs> and elusive in physical form but even being out here just knowing that we are searching for them is making my body feel quite electric and then in an elated breath just a few minutes later we actually found the first tracks the excitement was palpable, whilst the mist still hung heavy, wrapping itself around our breaths and bundling our words softly to the earth. We followed the tracks into a cloud-filled apple orchard, where the first buds of spring were emerging at the tips of the fruit tree branches. And all of a sudden, we heard heavy thumping and pounding, the cracking of branches in an old-growth beech forest just on the mountain above us. It was the bison, about seven of them, Mate signaled, and they were close. We dashed into the pocket of empty sound that they had left behind. Bison used to roam these lands widely, and indeed across most of Europe, but were deprived of their habitat due to, yeah, you guessed it, expanding human settlement, and they were also hunted almost to extinction in the early 20th century. When we reintroduced bison to our European landscapes, we allow the land to regain its natural complexity because the bison replant all of these natural flows and connections between hooves and dung and nutrient cycling and grazing. By grazing, they spread and disperse a wide variety of plants. By eating trees and tree bark, they make niches for more plants to grow. They clear out forests. And in general, all of their activities create habitat expansion. That's a term, habitat expansion, for other mammals and animals. And fun fact, many insects thrive in their feces. <laughs> So, as our presence as budding trackers exemplified, the bison also have a role in bringing new jobs and vitality to areas of Europe that are slowly depopulating. This encourages the development of local commerce, and in Romania, things like bakeries and cideries and small eco-lodges that host the curious, like ourselves, who long to perceive how an ancestral Europe may have felt and the ancestral feelings of the humans within it. Back to the tracking. 
As we attempted to pick our way through the dense forest, we found signs that the bison had been here barely minutes before. The wild blackberry bushes were trampled and nibbled, hot dung steamed. We then needed to detour around the mountain to intercept their path, which brought us to this almost mythical plateau high above the clouds, where Matei read the land and pointed out where the bison had been debarking the trees. They like to eat the bark, it gives them nutrients and minerals. And yep, they left more heaps of dung and tracks all around. So wait, how can we tell that the bison were here? We can see a lot of uh, feeding signs. We can see they, they fed from the wild uh, blackberries and the raspberry bushes. And we can also see the fresh, uh, the fresh tracks. So uh, basically they, they were hiding here, right in, at the edge of the forest, when we went up on the other side. And they probably just heard us and moved straight to, to the forest. And the marks on the on that tree have nothing to do with the bison? Uh, no. no, it's not uh, made by the bison, no. Okay, it still looks kind of cool. The fungus on the on the tree, right? And the strips. Uh, and the strips, the strips are just, uh, you can see the the water from the rain dropping and coloring basically the, the, the tree. So another lesson is uh, you can also get too excited and start seeing signs everywhere that are not actually signs. Perhaps I got a bit too overexcited there. After a few more hours of seeking, we realized that the bison tracks had descended down another steep mountain and it was too steep to follow. And so we began the journey home. And it's interesting. I want to share with you guys that while we never saw the bison with our eyes, it kind of didn't matter. I had felt their presence since we stepped out the car. Their forms and images were engraved in my imagination. They told us who they were by the sounds of their stampede, the grasses, the eaten branches, the marks in the mythical prairie they called home. All of these tucked away amongst ancient beaches and mosses. Every sense in my body that day was poised, alert, and nowhere else on earth existed in that moment. Fast forward to today, and it turns out that tracking is almost an extinct art in science, majorly at risk due to factors like globalization and landscape encroachment. There is, however, a really exciting movement to revitalize tracking into somewhat of a new modern profession, into a science that can help to monitor the impacts of climate change and biodiversity loss and nature conservation. This creates new jobs for local indigenous communities, citizen scientists, and there are wide-ranging implications for ecotourism, careers for rangers like in anti-poaching units, wildlife monitoring, and scientific research. Some groups like CyberTracker, are attempting to create a worldwide environmental monitoring network via tracker groups on the ground. The beauty of tracking is that anyone can learn to do it, anyone regardless of their level of education, of whether they can read or write, their cultural background, they can make a contribution to science into ensuring that something that is so central and integral to being human is not lost to flickering TV screens and limbic hijacks and bodies that just forget that they live on Earth. When you track, as I learned, you build memories and maps in your brain. You trace the storylines of other creatures. And to do this well, you have to inhabit their life worlds, their gates, their walks, how they move in the land. You have to suffuse yourself into their bodies to be able to know how they move, where and why. So as you might have guessed, our guest today is going to share more specifically about tracking. He is Tony Romani, one of the CyberTracker certifiers and a scientist who was with us in Romania. Tony had been bringing us the previous days where we were tracking 
deer, squirrels, foxes, badgers, wild boars, spiders. And he also taught us the kind of fascinating group dynamics that are involved in tracking. I was very humbled by the exercises he created for us and how strongly I noticed in my own mind all sorts of fake narratives are being created. And I observed as well with my peers in the groups how different human minds responded to uncertainty, to struggle, to not knowing, and how despite being a wilderness guide myself, I realized that when Tony asked questions, I had no clue what I was not even seeing and perceiving in the land. Now when I'm in the forest, I am even more keenly aware that there are so many things I don't even know I'm not seeing, so many things I don't even know to look for, and that makes me even more alert, more curious, more perceptive. So, here is Tony Romani and I chatting away the evening before the bison track in a small wooden cabin in the Wee Wilder campus in Romania. We are in a little hut surrounded by the mist above a Romanian village almost on the border and the mist is coming in. There are some semi-wild horses outdoors. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know where to start because I kind of want to begin with what we're going to do tomorrow, which is uh, heading out on the road to track some wild bison that have been reintroduced here to rewild the ecosystems. And yet I also kind of want to talk about the last two days that we've had here as a group. So I might leave a little uh, teaser about the bison for the latter part of our conversation. And let's start with where we've been the last two days. You are a scientist, a tracker, likely many other things. And you've brought our group on the most uh, kind of thrilling and humbling <laughs> two days I've had in a very long time. You know, I consider myself to be quite nature connected and observant and following in your training and your footsteps for the last two days, I am completely humbled by all the things I don't even know that I'm missing when I'm looking at nature. It's really, really quite astounding. And so let me start by asking for you, this word tracking that we use what does it have to do with sensory awareness? What does it have to do with reading the land? What does it mean to track and your body as it moves? How is that maybe different to when you're walking in the forest, paying attention? Tracking, first of all, it means being human. We've been tracking since the origin of humanity. The first hunters, they were trackers. They were following an animal even before uh, using weapons or uh, bow and arrow. And still, there are some people able to do it. I mean, not in Europe, for sure. We don't have even the need or the space, especially the space to do, to do it. But I think it's something that everybody has. And this is the power of tracking. And there's no difference between walking in the forest, paying attention and tracking. There's a difference between hiking and tracking. In the sense that if you are going to hike on a mountain, usually the aim is reaching the top. With tracking, it's not reaching the top. The aim is the way is the journey that you're doing. And you might reach the top or you might stay at the parking lot. It doesn't matter. And um, uh, tracking is, is nature, yes, but you can do tracking in a city. You can do tracking. Tracking is just a state of mind, I would say. It's just paying attention to details, whether there are facial expression of your 
um, of an encounter on the way, going to work, or just a bit of walking in front of you, or uh, staying in a, in a metro in the morning and seeing how people behave. They're just like observing. It's just about observation and paying attention to these, uh, to these details, I would say. You know, you say that, and yet I'm going to give some examples of things that you pointed out to us the last two days where I'm paying attention and I'm looking, but I truly don't know what it is I'm looking at, which first of all makes me realize how much there is to still see in the natural world and in these kinds of hidden languages of, of the land. So one of the things at the end of yesterday, I think it was, there was this uh, tree, right? And the lower part of it from about my knee down, the bark was completely scraped off and all of the sap was coming out and it was curled up almost. And you could see that something, someone had like torn off the bottom part of this tree. And your question was, what happened here? <laughs> you know, like a crime scene. What happened here and who was here? And the four of us in our team, and I want to get to the teamwork in a second, because I think that um, it's not just the observation part, but it's how you placed us together and what it shows about team dynamics and problem solving and individuality, how you are in the life worlds of other humans and the land as you do this. So I was like, okay, it's maybe something that was sharpening its horns or its tusks on this tree. I remember, right? yeah. Yeah, and that's only because I've seen these sort of uh, horn marks on other trees. But then someone mentioned they were probably wild boar, so you start making deductions. And I was like, okay, the wild boar was sharpening its tusks, end of story. And then we deliberate as a group, and afterwards you actually share, well, yes, it is the wild boar, but it was actually scratching with more of its body, right? And it was cleaning itself with the sap to take off parasites, and then you just kind of get this image of this boar that was there and doing these actions that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And then earlier that day, it was raining quite a bit, right? So it was very muddy and there were these tracks and they had like, for in my eyes, there were these two long parts that came together and then a gap between them. And I was like, classic deer. This is a deer. Quick, quick conclusion. I know my stuff. This is a deer. I've seen it a million times. Turns out it was a fox right? And I felt so silly that first that I could have thought that a deer hoof was a fox hoof. But there's all of these nuances about the suction of the paw and how many of the toes are lined up. And you asked a question, you know, what direction is it walking in? Who was this? Then what was the gait? Was it walking? Was it running? And I feel that for me, this process of, of tracking is you're sort of puzzled and you have to be hyper curious because out of the 15 different things we've done in the last days, I probably got two to three right. And it's no, probably, <laughs> but it's probably not about getting it right. Yeah, right? Yeah, and so, it doesn't matter. So it breaks your default mode where you're like, okay, it's not about getting it right. It's about how I'm thinking. And it's about, can I place myself inside of this other creature? And as we were walking yesterday, you shared something really interesting about that. So can you share a little bit about the mindset that you need to be in in order to make these deductions about these very subtle things you're seeing in the land? And maybe with some examples of how you can imagine how that creature moved or what it did. I think, first of all, it's an important lesson that teaches tracking, which is being in the moment and now. is not being with your thoughts, with problems with the family, problems with whatever, with work. You have to be there. You have to be in the moment. 
and what you see is what you have. <laughs> uh, weather is raining like in the past two days, and so you had to rush, you had to do quick deductions, otherwise you cannot get any information. So I think, first of all, you have to be able to be there and now, uh, which is not easy. There are so many workshops about uh, mindfulness and and tracking is, is one of these. I mean, tracking can be used as mindfulness because you have to be in the moment. And you're discussing about something that happened in the recent uh, past. It's not in the future, but it's not... I mean, it can be paleo tracking. <laughs> this is another, another thing. But it's what you are seeing in that moment that matters. So this is the first thing that tracking does to me, let's say. The second thing is, as you said very well, is curiosity. Humans are curious in, in general. I mean, someone more than others, but in general, they are, they are curious. And this curiosity makes you discover new things. And a thing is observing, is a seeing, another thing is observing. And what I saw, uh, I remember the first track we found, the squirrel. Everybody was standing very far. And I was wondering, how can they see the track standing far? I mean, you have to go close, you have to go kneel down, and you have to see from different angles, from different perspectives, to be able to to understand because maybe on one angle you don't see the thing and the other the other side you're able to see the features uh, of course you need some background uh, like for example today we saw the difference between front and end of, uh, of a squirrel and how to differentiate it and you need to know it I mean if you know it you know it or not so there are some things that uh, you need to observe you need to spend time in nature sometimes I imagine I'm able to imagine the animal especially in tracks in actual tracks for example, with the wild boar that you mentioned, sometimes wild boar, they just make some, some scratches in the... It was a pine, and you have just like a small scratch, but this one was a huge one. And at the beginning, I was not even myself sure what it was. When I, when I saw it first, I, I thought, I don't know, maybe it's a human. You know, sometimes humans, they play with the racks and they just cut, uh, cut pieces. And so I was seeing myself, I was seeing like, I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to, to visualize the animal, whether it is a human or, or a boar, doing the act and how it's done. And this helps a lot, like to, to see whether it makes sense or not, what you're looking. But then, both on the left side, on the right side of, the, of this cut, there was some hair. And hair was clearly from a wild boar. So when you see this evidence, the human goes away. It's just, okay, it might be an interference between a human and the wild boar, but actually it's used by the wild boar. And one meter apart, there was another one which was the same. So it was an area where the wild boars were going to bath in the mud. So probably we're, if we were searching around, we were finding also a bat mud, uh, a mud bat. And then when they come out, they go to search for, for this cleaning. So yeah, I think you, you visualize it, but you need to build a memory. You need to build a map in your brain, uh, which is observing the animal doing it making maybe seat spots or going in areas where there are a lot of wild boars and just sitting and waiting for the wild boar to come. Or if you're able just like to trail, so follow the uh, one footprint after the other until you find the animal. Or just understand anatomy of the animal because the track is formed by anatomy and this change a little bit only if there are some problems, right? Some anomalies in the, the animal or with the movement. And so it depends on the substrate, depends the gates of the animal, so how the animal is doing how the animal is moving. So this is why it's important to understand not only the track, but also how it's moving and how it's using the landscape, how it's feeding, where it's feeding and all these things. We had just a glimpse on this, on this day due to the, <laughs> to the bad weather that, that we had. 
Yeah. Something that I was imagining these days, you know how you said like, okay, I saw this bark was carved out and I could imagine that the boy were bathing. What changed for me over the course of, of this time together was you start to see these invisible stories that are all around the forest and the landscape and all these overlapping lives of the squirrel that jumped and did this and the mice burrows, you know, that melted with the snow and the caterpillar that made its little nest in the tree. And you start to see all these stories that are happening in the land that you really would miss. And it's not just, as you said, something static in time. It's where this animal was going, where, where it might be going to, where it came from, what its actions were. So for me, it fills the landscape with a lot of life and a lot of story. And I want to now turn to the relevance of all this. And I think that there are several levels of relevance. One, this is just beautiful as a human being to participate in this because it, as you said, it's profound mindfulness. It's a lot of awareness. It's a lot of humility. It's a lot of play. I think as a group, there is massive benefit from doing this together for reasons I want to ask you and get into. And then I want to talk about something that you do, you certify people in this kind of cyber tracker certification. And that is something that is also about reviving something that is being lost and enabling a whole new series of livelihoods and jobs from this very dignified way of being. So if we start from the first part, which is the group work, why would a corporation or why would um, even a group of friends or people who are embarking on another project together, why might they want to go and track together first to understand their internal dynamics and how they think? And you as a, as a, I know you don't call yourself a teacher, but as a facilitator of this process, what are you doing in the way you're setting up the questions and having people work together? You remember Friday when, when we were doing dinner we were, we were asking, what is your, your expectation? What do you envision? And everybody gave their answer. And I said, I'm looking forward to make a, to create a connection with you guys. Because for me, tracking is like spying. It's a kind of spying, which is not, it can, it can be weird. I mean, it can be, <laughs> it can be awkward sometimes, <laughs> but I, I don't want to be awkward. I don't, I'm not looking at the awkward part. Whether it is a group, whether it is an individual, you can see people's thoughts, especially when they don't know an answer. But even if they, they know an answer, when they give the answer, you can really see their struggles. You know, like to, to give an answer when they are not sure. And we're not allowed to say, I don't know. And it, it's super difficult in general to say, I don't know. But even I don't know is like saying no. Uh, it's, like, it's like a wrong answer, you know? So it's really tricky when you have to give an answer and you have no clue. And how the person is staying on the footprint, is staying on the track, is trying to, to understand and... Sometimes they give the right answer and then they change their mind all of a sudden. And, <laughs> and I suffer. I, I truly suffer, you know, like, because it's, it's just like, come on, you just said it. I don't want to. <laughs> no, don't change it, but I cannot say it, you know, because it's your choice. It's really your choice. But it's, it's just a process. This is individually. But when you are within with a group, and the group was not big. We were like two groups of four, three, four people. And with these groups, you can see the dynamics within the group. Uh, there's always someone which is quiet and the person which is more charismatic and wants always to talk whether it's right or not. And all the people in the group, they are just following these people, this, this person, right? And then maybe they get a wrong answer just because they were following those people. And instead of listening 
to every single IDM. And so when you start working on these dynamics and you enter, you enter in the group, you don't need two weeks, one month. You just need a couple of days just working within the group, just listening to the group, paying attention to the group, and, and then start moving and disrupting, let's say, the interactions or the, how, normal, how uh, usually things work. So for example, you force a little bit the person which is silent to talk and the person which is usually talking to listen. So already this helps the group, but also the person to see that maybe he's not the only one that knows and other people can have their ideas as well, which is very important for, for society in general, but also for corporates or uh, any kind of family, any kind of environment. And the good thing is of, of tracking is that you get immediate reward. So the reward is immediate. You get it right, you get the reward. You get it wrong, you get the explanation. So there is a win-win. There's no, there's no losers. And when you are with the group, the group helps you creating new ideas, new inputs. We are a social group, right? We are a social animal. And so we need to live in a group and we need to interact. And it doesn't matter, for example, if, you, if you've never been in nature. I think I saw the most beautiful ideas uh, with kids or with, with people that have never been in, in nature. They're not biologists. Uh, they never go outside unless it's at the park nearby, nearby the room in the city. But this kind of not knowing what is written in the books, they free our mind, which is true, but sometimes books, they are wrong. <laughs> and nature, prove it, you are a scientist too, right? How many papers that are published that they're, actually they're wrong they're, or they're proven wrong? This is nothing um, we should be scared about. So I think, I think tracking can help people to open their mind and can help people to uh, socialize and create a team building and create a connection, a deep connection with, not only with nature, but with, with us, with humans. What I really observed is that there aren't many activities we can do today as groups that have so many things happening so quickly at once, right? Within, let's say, a three-hour tracking session, you can not only rely on sight, you have to go into smell and sound and all of these other parts of our bodies. You have intense mindfulness. You are then also tracing these storylines of other creatures you never think about and imagining. If I was a squirrel and I was jumping, do I put my front paws forward or behind? Like, actually, how does a squirrel jump, right? So you're also inhabiting the life worlds, the bodies of these other species. And then as a kind of homo sapien configuration, you are being asked to go against your normal way of being, which is maybe actually if you're a talker, listen, or if you're a quiet person, try to speak. And this idea of it's not about expertise, because some of the best ideas might come from this beginner's mind, someone who's viewing the situation with a fresh perspective. And I was one of those people that I changed my initial mind really all the time. And it shows me, I'm like, oh, am I someone who often changes her mind? Like, how much do I hold on to with certainty? Do I hold on to too much certainty? Do I hold on to too little certainty? Am I too easily swayed by other people's opinions? Or am I not swayed enough? There's a lot of inner work happening. And I... I'm a bit of a talker, not like crazy. I like to hear what people think, but I also like to be playful and bring my opinion and notice I really had to quiet myself down to hear the others. And often when they spoke, I did change my mind. So all of these, these dynamics are happening within two, three hours. And now I want to move to the second part, which is, this is why it's kind of relevant for the groups that are doing it. 
on a higher level, if we're thinking about conservation, biodiversity, maybe in a bit we'll also talk about your research with chimpanzees and behaviors, because this is also fascinating. But maybe here you can talk about CyberTracker. And I like this phrase about CyberTracker that was kind of, well, tracking is this original science, right? It's our innate abilities to read the land, and it's a dying art and a dying science. So what is the relevance of this conversation today? There's so much potentiality uh, in research, but that can have also benefit in conservation. Because if you're able to understand from a track, just looking at the track or measuring, taking some measures, which one is a male and which one is a female, you know the ratio. And so you know how many, how many animals you have, uh, not only in terms of density, which is, a, which is an important, important value, but also in terms of uh, ratio males, females, and you know if the, your population is healthy. Can tracking be a, a career? I mean, can people, you know, the green jobs, green economy, ecotourism, all these things that we hear about that we aspire to. Can you imagine that there's an 18-year-old out there and they're like, I want to be a tracker. And there is a career that will compensate me in some form, financially or in, you know, but that can allow mm -hmm. me to survive in the modern world. Or is it more of a hobby? Oof. <laughs> this is a very nice question. Um, yes, definitely. This is 100% yes, with no doubt. And this is the need. This is, this is what we are creating. We want to create the need to have trackers. Trackers are super important in any kind of environment from ecotourism. The problem is that people that are employed on the field, usually they are the less paid. And this is a problem. Liebenberg, the founder of CyberTracker, which started doing these evaluations in South Africa in the 90s, he saw the needs in the community to certify trackers on the field. And this is why we go on the field. It's not, it's not, it's not on the paper. The workshop should be on the field. It's not, and we are not preparing tracks. We, we go and we see what we have. Nature is so generous. Tracking is generous. Uh, nature is generous. So it's, it's, um, it's a combination of things. And showing that the possibilities you can do, for example, for ecotourism, imagine just in ecotourism, you're a guide, right? You go out with your group of people and you start trailing a bison or even just hiking, going on top of the mountain. And on the way, you see something and you observe and you observe something. And you can, you can show, you can explain, you can tell what the landscape look like and what, what the landscape is communicating in this moment, right? You know, it's so interesting, this term ecotourism. I feel like it's become a bit of like a cute word. It's like, oh, they have a nice like ecotourism lodge and isn't that great? And isn't that like... <sighs> Every single place I've been to that would be called an ecotourism location has a lot of other dynamics going on that are actually a remedy and um, let's say an evolution of the kinds of models that we're living in. And so what I want to highlight in terms of what you're saying is, yes, we're in these beautiful, you know, wooden cabins in a very remote part of Romania, and you can call it ecotourism. But what I am observing is one, a different educational model that should be the way that we teach children and adults all the time, which is not shoving answers down people's throats and having them memorize things in a kind of rote way, which is basically what all of my exams were. And But like the art of deduction and the art of asking someone questions and having them reason it out, right? Which was this kind of, um, we had John Young on the show 
in the last season, and this is nature connection mentorship, which is just asking questions and teasing out the innate intelligence of people. So it's not just an activity during an ecotourism, it's a form of a new educational model. And then if you're talking about the, um, like the dignified career that a tracker could have, we're also talking about, okay, what is the evolution of a more, let's say, traditional job? You know, what do people really want to aspire to today? There's young generations, they're graduating and they're like, most of the jobs that are out there don't make sense because of what we're seeing in terms of climate and societal breakdown and okay, I can make money, but then I'm just, everything's coming, crashing down anyway. So, you know, these statistics, they did one recently, 60, 70% of young people around the world are facing sort of grief or distress at climate or they think the world is doomed. So I think a lot about these new generations and what are the opportunities that are engaging and creative and that aren't just fighting and that aren't buttoning up and joining something they know is kind of obsolete. And so I'm always thinking about what are the new careers, the new jobs or the old ones that are being revived for the modern day. I think tracking is a really interesting one. Because as you said, imagine legions of trackers out in the landscape doing what some of our technologies do and aided by the technology. So I know that, for example, CyberTracker has a technological tool that's very well developed. And there's other parallels to this and other um, sort of let's say, ranger activities, right? But allowing people the hope that they can do something that connects them more deeply to the land, that connects them more deeply to their own selves, as we've talked about, and to a group of people, while they're benefiting the public good, while they're getting close to animals, while they're spending time outdoors, while they're learning how to read the land. And then maybe they'll do that to other people. I think it's super, super exciting. Yeah, the thing is complex. Usually... People on the, they are working on the on the field. They don't deserve that much money as a banker. There's a disparity of what a job is. There are jobs and jobs. It's like in certain parts of the world, people are allowed to die and nobody cares. And other parts of the world, people die and there's a huge problem. There should be always a huge problem when there is a war. Let's imagine what's happening now in DRC since forever or in Somalia. And nobody, there's not much interest, right? or there's interest uh, once in a while. And the same is with people working in the field. It is important for sure, uh, people working in the bank, they need their, their money because they need to, to deal with their stress. Whereas people in the field, they are more happy because I mean, they are still, they're still in the field. But at the same time, they need also to, to live with dignity and to live on the same level of the person working, working in a bank. I don't know why I said banker. I could have been saying any, any other job. I don't want to say specifically to banker. So I think... For the moment, tracking is, is seen as, as a tool that can be applied by a banker or can be applied by a ranger, or can be applied by a farmer and can be applied by a tour operator, by a guide, by a scientist. I think it's hard to predict and to create a tracker as a, as a job, especially in Europe. We've seen in South Africa, the tracker is a, is a profession. They have thousands of trackers certified. Mm. There, there are, there's a lot of tracking. Tracking is a, is a major thing in ecotourism. Uh, well, I know you don't see it, but in, in, in tourism, like in the big five, everybody's going for safaris. And so in South Africa, it's a huge deal. In Europe, unfortunately, we don't have that much left. In the US as well, they start with trackers being introduced, for example, in the US, 
in 2010, around 2010, and then soon after arrived in Europe as well. 2012 in Spain the first time, and then soon after in the northern parts like uh, in, in the Netherlands, in the UK. And now is is a bit spread. There's quite a nice community between Spain, Italy, Romania, Netherlands, Germany, uh, England, and Norway, France. It's still a small community. We know each other. We know each other's names because they're addicted to, to this. They're not, they not so much. There is a lot that I'm sure that is unspoken. So there's a lot of work. There's a lot of people which are not known and they're doing things with tracking, but they're not known yet. They're not, because it's like, it's not something that, I don't know, it's not football. <laughs> you know, like, like it's the basketball of staying outside, right? And it's not even so easy. You mentioned today, I remember the last track we saw, the Badger. How could you even see it? <laughs> Impossible. Yeah, but it's so difficult to Crazy. see. Crazy. This is why it never, it never grew up. For example, bird watching. Bird watching is uh, was a used success, right? Why was it a success? Bird watching is based on movement. Our eyes, they are very good in movement. When we see a bird passing, we are attracted, and we see, and we are able to follow. This is why uh, bird watching has a huge, huge success. Think of a track. Does it move? No. You have to search for it. You have to find it. And so it becomes very difficult. But if you train your brain, it's easy to find tracks. Tracks are everywhere. You can see tracks in the city. You can see tracks in your house. You can see tracks in nature everywhere, in, in the wilderness, or it doesn't matter. You have just like to train your brain to, to look at it. But I'm diverging a little bit with, no. <laughs> with what you were saying. I mean, we're, we're <laughs> honestly completely allowed to diverge. I love the idea of training the brain. So maybe you can verbally bring us into what the hell is going to happen tomorrow in terms of tracking and trailing these bison. We're going to get out the car somewhere. And yeah. what is going to happen? What are you looking for to bring us into? Um, that's a good... <laughs> I don't know. It will be a surprise. But I think you're going with Matei tomorrow. I can tell what can happen, but you're going with Matei, which is the bison whisperer. <laughs> And when you go trailing, first you have to find the tracks. In this case, you have a target species, right? So you have to find a track of a bison, but also you have to find a fresh track of a bison. <laughs> it shouldn't be just a, just a bison. And here the bison, they are free, they're roaming free, and we have no idea where they are. So we know more or less in the area where they are moving. We have a hunch where they are moving, so we're going in an area where we are likely to find, but we are not 100% sure to find. So this is the first challenge. This is the first pressure that the tracker is, is facing. And it's quite, I have to say, I like it, but it's, it's a pressure. There is pressure, there is um, stress, let's say, because people are expecting you to find it. I personally don't mind whether I found it or not, but in general, you know, like, if you don't see it, you didn't perceive it. But sometimes just looking at the tracks, I remember the first time I went in Africa, I went in South Africa, um, <laughs> and the first time I saw the, the elephants, actually I saw their tracks and I was, I was in the car and I was looking outside and I saw the tracks. And then the car behind, when we arrived where we could step out, I saw the elephant. I didn't see the elephant because I was just looking at the tracks and I felt so stupid, but actually I was happy. I don't mind. I will see next time. It doesn't matter. Tracks are more important. <laughs> but yeah, th this is me. I understand that there, there, is this, there is this pressure. So you look for fresh tracks and you start following them and you have to be able to, to read the landscape. When you trail bison, you don't know where the bison is going. 
what he's doing. So first of all, you have to enter in their in their minds. You have to enter in the in the dynamics. And this takes uh, when you start following an animal. At least me myself, it takes 20, 30 minutes. That I have to stay focused. I have to see what he's doing. I have to feel. I have to walk on their tracks. But literally walk walk on top. Um, do you ever get down on all fours? And no, no, no. <laughs> no, but actually, no, with no, other no. animals, do you? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, it's enough to stay to stay on the trail. Do some, some people get down on all fours, some um, trackers, or is this no. just a parody? <laughs> no, I've never seen no one apart some uh, <laughs> some crazy dude that is doing it. But I, pers- I mean, somebody maybe find it useful. I've never, I've never done just feeling with my feet, feeling the track under my under my shoes. It helps me to to feel the animal, to feel the. It's not very much metaphorical, I would say. I just feel it, and I understand even the the speed of the animal, because I'm stepping one track and the other track and the other track. So if the distances between tracks increase, I know the animal is accelerating. If it decreases, is decelerating. So I know what the animal what the animal is doing, and and this I'm entering in this in what he was doing. And if he was feeding, I can check where he was feeding. So, okay, here he stopped, he fed, and so we go away, we go, we go on. If you start putting the information, you know, like one after the other, it's just like reading a book. You know, like you have uh, one word after another and you start creating sentences. And it's the same thing with tracks. You start creating these paragraphs, the more the time you spend with the animal. And then it happens that you lose it. You don't know where it, where it went. And it happens often. It happens a lot. Is it sad in that moment? Because you kind of were like you feel getting in the groove and you felt like the animal and you were one and then all of a sudden you're just kind of abandoned. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but it's a good management, stress management. It's a good, it's a good teacher. <laughs> you know, again, we, we go back in the same topic. And basically what you do is just you go back to the last track you remember. I mean, the last track that you are sure that the animal was. And you look at the choices. So you look where the animal could have been going. So did it go to the to the left? So you go and check. No, it didn't go there. Okay, you close. It didn't go to the left. Did it go straight? No. So it went to the right. And so you check. You try. If you close the right and the, the left and the, the front, you go to the right. And you go and check and you see what, whatever. But since you have all this, this information, this previous information on your imagination, your mind, you're using your gut feeling, you're using your, your hunch. I'm using a lot my hunch. For example, if, if I have clear footprints and then there is a uh, field uh, full of grass and I don't see nothing, I, I've been several times just trying to understand where it was going between the grass, moving the grass, trying to understand, no, 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 I'm just going on the other side of the grass. If he's out, he's on the other side. I'm not losing time in the middle of the grass, right? You are just putting information together between the landscape and the animal behavior. This needs... Uh, understanding of the animal and following and following several times like the, the same animal and so you keep going you keep following and it can last it can last the whole day <laughs> basically literally it can last it can last literally the whole day until eventually you're able to to hear some sounds to hear like okay, you're very close Maybe at the beginning you just hear them, and so if you are downwind, you have to go and be upwind in order they don't smell you. So you have to you have to be aware also of the situation, and the people that are with you they shouldn't talk. And we saw in those two days it was hard. <laughs> people were talking a lot, but it's normal. This is normal. Uh, but when you are trailing, you don't you don't talk. 
And even the groups are not big, uh, usually three, four people maximum, because you have to be quiet and you don't have to make noise. And then eventually you can see them and you sit and you just observe. Hmm. And hopefully they don't see you. And I can imagine that the process of coming across the animal you've been tracking for a day or even more, because you've been walking in their footsteps and feeling their energy, the feeling of then beholding them or being with them would be very different and maybe enhance that if you just turned up and seen these animals because you've been so connected to them and suddenly they're there, right? You've been following their scent. You know them. I have a feeling that the next, you know, decades and quite a lot of people who are going to come onto this particular season of the podcast are exploring this question of animal culture, animal, you know, an animal and others, other life forms in general. But their their forms of sentience of creativity, their life worlds, if you will, right, the name of the podcast. And how when we open up to their senses and the potential ways, even just the hypothesis, the curiosity, as we said before, of the potential of how they're living, how much that can enrich our understanding and really, really, truly, hopefully our, our compassion and care for for the natural world, which can which needs to be what underpins an ecological civilization, which hopefully is what many of us want. So <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. So let's end there. I am going to try and take this mic out tomorrow on the bison tracking trailing. I don't need to see the bison. I am actually really excited to be in the process yeah. of yeah. just encountering the hoof marks and seeing where it goes. So I will try and bring this mic out, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, it was such a pleasure. And thank you so much for these last days. It's yeah, been really, really fun. Thank you for coming. So that's it for today's episode on tracking, bison, Romanian forests, and a whole lot more. My advice to you in terms of what do I do about this awesome new thing that I've just learned about is find a tracker near you. They're all around the world. You can reach out to the people at CyberTracker. You can reach out to Tony, who was on this podcast. On the CyberTracker website, there are tons of resources and links to partner organizations of theirs. And a quick Google search will dig up some wildlife tracker near you. And the next time you go on holiday, maybe instead of, you know, lounging on the beach for all of the five hours, maybe take a little moment and ask, hey, can someone bring me into the forest or into the jungle back here? Can someone show me about the animals and how to follow the land? Just give it a go. You really can't go wrong with this one. As for next week, we are going to delve into the world of bioacoustics. This is the act of listening to the other worlds. This is the act of listening to the soundscapes and structures of ecologies. We'll have Karen Backer with us, and it's going to be a really fascinating one because she's working at the forefront of the technologies that are enabling us to listen, translate, decipher, possibly even communicate with other life forms. So I'll see you in a few weeks, and until then, follow the tracks. <laughs> As always, if you like this episode and the podcast on whatever medium you're listening to it, I've been told it helps to give it a star rating, so if you can take a second to do that, that would be great. I feel very awkward as I ask for this, as you can tell. I'm not really a marketer, advertiser, but it will help more people to find the podcast, and that's a good thing. So 
Take a second to do that if it feels right. And uh, if this is one of your first times tuning in, there's a lot of good stuff from our previous season. So enjoy. 